Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Ellie here. Happy Friday. Just about one week until my next book comes out. It's called Untouchable, How Powerful People Get Away With It. I really can't wait for you to see this. Order it now. We do love pre-orders. I'm sure you will enjoy it, especially if you are a fan of this podcast. Here is this week's version. So much going on in the world, so much going on in the law. I felt like this was a really important point that I really wanted to make to this audience. In the meantime, please keep sending me your thoughts, questions, or comments to letters at cafe.com. The House of Representatives is under new management, and the incoming Republican bosses have made this much clear. They're coming after the Justice Department. If newly coronated on the 15th try, Speaker Kevin McCarthy and his cohort make good on their threats to turn DOJ inside out, and there's every reason to believe they'll try, then we are headed towards a monumental constitutional showdown. Among its first orders of business, the incoming majority has announced the formation of a, quote, select subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government. House Republicans are skipping the niceties. They've declared openly that they intend to investigate the purported politicization of the Justice Department and that they will pry into, quote, ongoing criminal investigations in the process. Let's begin with a few stipulations. Elections have consequences and majority rules. Like it or not, McCarthy and the Republicans won the House, and now they hold oversight and subpoena power. Congressional oversight of the executive branch, including DOJ, is an essential part of our system of checks and balances. The attorney general absolutely should appear before Congress from time to time and should be subject to questioning. It is fair game for the House to ask and the AG to answer questions about the Justice Department's internal practices, law enforcement priorities, and allocation of resources. Everyone on board with all that? Good. Now, to the line in the sand. Congress has no right to delve into the details of ongoing criminal investigations. The Justice Department must categorically reject any such incursions by the legislative branch. Attorney General Merrick Garland can and should go up to Capitol Hill when summoned and answer questions about DOJ's operations, policies, and resources. But if the House asks him about specific cases, he has to tell them respectfully to go to hell. Here's why. If Garland were to capitulate and answer questions from the House about pending investigations of Donald Trump or Joe Biden or Hunter Biden or anybody else, then he would jeopardize those investigations potentially fatally. He might expose witnesses, including cooperators and informants. He could give away investigative tactics, and he would provide the subjects of investigations with an opportunity to tailor their defenses or worse, to flee, to tamper with evidence and witnesses and otherwise to obstruct justice. It's a prosecutorial nightmare. There's a good reason why NFL coaches don't walk their playbook across the field and hand it to the opposing team. Same idea here. 
Prosecutors also have an obligation to protect the subjects of ongoing investigations. If an AG were to testify publicly that DOJ was investigating a particular individual, that would undermine that person's presumption of innocence, and it would likely inflict irreparable reputational harm. Now, there's a fair argument that presidents current and past, like Biden and Trump, should be an exception to this rule. There's a broad public need to know if they are under investigation, and it would be impossible to keep it secret in any event. Finally, we have a fundamental separation of powers problem. Yes, Congress can conduct oversight, but it falls solely to the executive branch through DOJ to carry out the federal law enforcement function. Imagine if Congress could pry into and essentially kneecap any ongoing investigation. What happens when some member of Congress or some well-heeled donor gets nervous that the feds might be onto him? Can Congress simply call the AG up to the Hill, force him to disclose the details of the case, and blow it up? So let's play this out. Let's say Garland testifies and Jim Jordan demands specifics about the ongoing Trump or Biden investigations. And let's say Garland refuses to testify or provide documents. Congress then has one available counter move, contempt. First, the select subcommittee would need to vote by a majority to hold Garland in contempt. And then the full House would have to do the same. If both of those votes came to pass, and remember, Republicans now hold the majority, albeit by a tiny margin, Then the case goes over for potential prosecution to the United States Department of Justice, which is headed by the Attorney General of the United States, who right now is Merrick Garland. So even if the House does vote for contempt, it seems safe to assume Garland will not authorize an indictment of himself. There's some history here. We managed to go our first 220 plus years without any Attorney General winding up in contempt of Congress. But in 2012, the Republican-controlled House held Attorney General Eric Holder in contempt for refusing to provide documents relating to the Fast and Furious scandal, an ill-conceived investigation where DOJ allowed illegal gun sales in an effort to track the purchasers, including some tied to Mexican drug cartels. Some of those guns could not be tracked, and one was linked to the murder of a United States Border Patrol agent. 17 Democrats joined the Republican majority and voted for contempt of Holder, by the way. Then in 2019, the Democratic-controlled House held Attorney General Bill Barr in contempt for refusing to provide documents relating to DOJ's effort to add a citizenship question to the census. You'll be shocked, shocked, to learn that the federal courts found that Barr's explanation for DOJ's actions was not entirely truthful. Neither Holder nor Barr were prosecuted, of course, as we just discussed. DOJ usually doesn't rush to indict its own attorney general. The question then is whether Garland has the spine to stand firm, refuse to provide testimony or documents relating to specific investigations, and suffer the symbolic sting of a contempt citation in order to protect the Justice Department's independence and institutional integrity. I believe he can, must, and will do just that. In one sense, Garland is the ultimate bureaucrat, a compulsive rule follower who must be horrified at the notion of a contempt citation. He's the kind of public official who would be bothered even by a symbolic wrist slap. That's a compliment for the most part. On the other hand, as critical as I've been of Merrick Garland's plotting, myopic investigative style— I deeply admire his stewardship of the Justice Department. He plainly believes in DOJ's mission, and he has made clear that he will fight to protect it. He vowed from the moment of his nomination to restore the department's credibility and independence, and he has done just that. I fully expect that when the moment of truth arrives and the House demands that Garland cough up details of an ongoing case, he will stand strong and, if need be, absorb a contempt ruling. In the broader view, 
I take issue with the fundamental premise underlying this new select subcommittee. McCarthy cries foul about political weaponization of DOJ, but let's take stock. Yes, the Justice Department is currently investigating Donald Trump, both on Mar-a-Lago and January 6th. And that's because Trump's conduct requires it. It would be unthinkable, a dereliction of duty to simply ignore both cases. By the way, you know who else DOJ is investigating right now? Joseph Biden. Oh, and here's another person currently in the Justice Department's crosshairs, Hunter Biden. That case began under Trump and continues now because Joe Biden left in place the Trump-appointed U.S. attorney who was leading it. I'm simply not seeing any political imbalance here. And even beyond this handful of high-profile pending cases, let's not ignore the reality that DOJ is comprised of thousands of non-political, professional prosecutors and law enforcement agents who keep their heads down and do their work and couldn't give a damn about politics. At bottom, McCarthy's stated mission to fight back against weaponization is largely Trump-appeasing political performance art. Don't take my word for it. Look at McCarthy's own actions. On August 8th, the date of the court-authorized Mar-a-Lago search, McCarthy took all of about two hours before he reasonably could have had anything approaching full information to take to Twitter and decry the department's actions and motives and to promise vengeance against Garland. Soon it'll be up to Garland himself to stand up to this nonsense and to protect DOJ's most fundamental principles. I think he's up to the task. He'd better be. Stay safe and stay informed, everybody. 